This is the one with the village that time forgot. A gooseberry, a time-travelling wag. And one-eyed monsters. It's called Amy's Choice. Here we go! We're still on our endless voyage All through time and all through space With Slavine and Angels now Dalek, Cybers, Ood and Wow Tennant, Smith and Eccleston And Capaldi, he's the man Doctor Who is cool again That was Russell's master plan Who back when? Reviewing all new Who there is Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please Rose and Donna, Amy Pond Rory, Martha and beyond Join us on this odyssey What other choice could there be but Who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode N067 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. That's right! Oh, Doc Post. <laughs> That's wrong! <laughs> At some point, we're going to have a bonus episode dedicated to your animosity regarding that expression. <laughs> I am Ponkin, and joining me in the Who Back When studio today are, to my left... It's Marie! To her left... Jim. Hello, Jim! Hi! <laughs> hey, Jim! <laughs> Across from Jim! Me! <laughs> and to your left, hello, full circle. <laughs> Jim, welcome! Thank you, it's good to be back. Ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, you may remember Jim from, was it Blink the last time? And the Fires of Pompeii. And the, and the Fires of Pompeii, yes, that's true. This is but, Jim's yeah. third time, i.e. Jim's charm. <laughs> <laughs> Make it or break it. Today we are reviewing Amy's Choice. A, dare I say it, good episode. <gasps> After our You're hate dead. fest last week. <laughs> <laughs> Surely that remains to be seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to spoil anything. For me, that remains to be decided. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I watched it in a sort of sickly haze this afternoon. I do not know how I feel about this episode. I need you guys to guide. Welcome to N067, Drew's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we jump into a bite-sized chunk of who? Let's... <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Amy and Rory are happily dull in Upper Ledworth. Their monotony only interrupted by Amy constantly crying labour. When the Doctor does some impromptu garden landscaping, Rory's fancy about his cosy ponytail life in the countryside is dashed. Enter the Dream Lord, stage left, and all of a sudden our intrepid trio can't tell fantasy from reality. And to top it all off, they're in mortal danger in either, with green gas generating geriatrics on the one hand, and the TARDIS plummeting into a cold star on the other. Be over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants to start us off? Okay, I've got a question. <laughs> okay, this is a question that will lead to another question. <laughs> I expected nothing less. <laughs> How long have Rory and Amy been together? Oh, you jumped in right at the deep end. Were they or weren't they together the first time we met him? Because there was a little bit of... Tension, but I don't think they were a couple. Oh, no, I think I, you're right about that. But at this point, they've been a couple for a while. So right? it's less than but two is, years. Yeah, this is okay. the two year thing. And yeah. they blatantly have a relationship, and she's just not quite. They're about to get married. She hasn't yeah. quite defined it when the first doc appearance is. Okay, so question number two Why has she never told him that she loves him? Uh, <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. They, they've been together nearly two years by the time they go gallivanting around in the time. Absolutely expected more of a reaction to that. <laughs> But now, there's five years on top of that. This is now seven years. Wait, yeah. five years on top of that? In the fantasy. In, in the, the fantasy. Dream. So, okay, at the end of the episode when she says, I never told him, I suppose. You know what? 
two years also way too long a time to never have told your partner well, whom you're about to get married to that you love him it's the engagement thing if they were if they were two years in and they'd just been casually dating and they're very young and she's not ready to commit then that's one thing but to pr- have a proposal <laughs> and to say yes without ever telling the, the other person that you love yeah, them that's super weird and i can't <laughs> i can't believe that rory's never said it to her yeah, I, well, well, actually, well, wait, you know what? said it on day one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he probably did say it, and she just went, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, didn't did we? Go, have... I know. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah, she totally <laughs> unsolded him. At the beginning of the last episode, wasn't Rory ringing up because he said, I haven't said I love you in, like, six hours? That's oh the longest God. I've ever gone. There you go. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So. <laughs> and she's just constantly like, oh, thanks. <laughs> That's nice. Oh dear! I think this, the whole start of their relationship is just nonsense. It really like in, is. in the episodes, like <laughs> we don't know how the relationship started, but it's just the, the relationship started because he was the only boy in her school who would consent to dressing up as the doctor. Well, <laughs> her imaginary friend. That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Yeah, um, but even even if she hasn't ever said those three words, later when they're all covered in icicles and she's realised that he's alive and it's all joyous and she hugs him and he's like flipping heck this is the first time this has ever happened how do i get this to happen again she's showing me affection like he's really yeah. surprised yeah. by that yeah like she doesn't give him anything <laughs> yeah i expected a barbed quip <laughs> yeah and now we're embracing oh no what is this <laughs> i'd like this to happen a second time <laughs> will i need to fake my own death <laughs> the, the scale of possibility for their state of relationship goes from first date to <laughs> Very early, awkward proposal that Rory's done, and she's just flipped out totally and just run away with the doctor. It's like, there is nowhere that they're close to wedding night. No, oh, no, absolutely no. not. Yeah. It's just... It's <laughs> yeah. There's no one else in Ledworth. She, she's just unable to think outside that extremely shallow gene. Pool. What about that handsome guy? Oh, he's he's busy oh, yeah, being he's be busy being courted by Patrick Moore and all the scientific <laughs> celebrities of the world. Yeah, he left Legworth a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he's now regularly on the Sky at Night and QI and he goes on Brian Cox's tours. I don't know. He's he's BFFs with all of them. <laughs> Does talks at CERN. Loves it. <laughs> we commented at the time as well when when it was the wedding night and you commented Drew about oh haven't we seen another redhead you know about to get married and it's all very familiar and mm, it's yes. just uh, yeah if they had fond remembrance if they hadn't done that mm. it would be okay because you could you could imagine them at whatever stage you need to put them at for that to be true it's just the wedding thing that makes it wrong well it's also the proposal as well because after she said yeah i suppose then <laughs> rory would have said oh i love you and she'd have been like well, hey, get off, you assassinate wanker. <laughs> Something like that. So far, I have yet to see any kind of evidence that she isn't just using him as, as some form of romantic alibi. Mm. Like just, you know, to ground her as a human being, because on the inside, she's just this incredibly cold-hearted being. Mm. Yeah. I do have feelings. Look, Rory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a shame, though, because I think a lot of the relationship in this episode works really well. Like it, what? Back up your opinion with examples, Jim. (laughs) That's how we do it on this show. I've also decided that I really like this episode, so please don't ruin this for me. (laughs) Jim, evidence, empiricism. (laughs) He's shouting at me. I don't know how to think anymore. Uh, I think um, the sense that there is a choice, and especially when you work out, well, you're told that it's, it's the doctor's 
consciousness that's really like the, the the dark side of his consciousness that's really kind of driving all of this is forcing Amy to make d- decisions and stuff and it's just a battle of where her emotion really lies and it does work it what it makes sense and but then you kind of think oh but she's making this decision after already agreeing to marry the guy and was literally one day away from the wedding it just suddenly loses all of the emotion and sentiment behind it that's very true yeah, Which is a real thing. Um, I don't know. But she, when the Dream Lord first says to her, you have to make a choice, choose between these two men, and she immediately, without thinking, without hesitation, she goes, I've made my choice. And it's poor, bless his heart, Rory has to be like, is it, is it, is it me? And she's like, yeah, of course it's you, stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's not nice to him, but she's, she's very clear up front. She's like, you, you are my choice. I want you. So that's nice. And then I think there's some very heartfelt moments at the end as well when the, Snogging. Yeah. Oh, snogging. Snogging makes it all better. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, when, you know, her reaction, when, that's really jumping ahead now, but when Rory dies, like, that's a really, like, true response, I think. What, when she says, come back. Oh. Oh, that's so heartfelt, and you can really see into her soul. It come is. back. No, it, it, no, it, I liked that. Yeah, I agree. It, I, got, yeah. it got better, but the, she, initially she just says, come back. Yeah, but because the, she's in shock, she doesn't yeah, know how to respond. It's there's still, is there's it? a tone in there. It's not monotone. Yeah, <laughs> come back. But no, isn't it still incredibly sad? Isn't it still incredibly sad that it takes losing her life partner for her to reevaluate their relationship? Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to it's gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But it shouldn't have to be like that. Yeah. Okay. Fine. That's it. From that point on, she is kind of a decent human being. Yeah. <laughs> But I also think it's difficult because she's, as we established last week, she's 21, she's young, she's in the TARDIS, they're flying around having the time of their lives, she's got her boys, it's fantastic, and then suddenly she's enormously pregnant, she's about to pop, she's in this boring little village that she's probably, like, dreamt of escaping her whole life. This is a scenario that many women will have found themselves in. Yeah, and and I can understand her kind of looking around and being like, oh... Why would I choose this? Why would I settle for this? This It is Rory's fantasy. It's not hers. And so she kind of has to go, yeah, I want this too, because she wants him. But actually, when you choose between, like, here are all the adventures, past and present, and every different species and planet you can imagine, and, and things you can't imagine, compared to just, here's a village that you grew up in, or that there's a duck pond. Like, it's hard to get excited about that choice, I think. This leads me to another question of mine, which is, is her choice between her choice and Rory's choice? Is that her choice? Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to choose between selecting for myself what I want in life, yeah. namely being with a doctor on adventures, or having Rory select something for me. Because it's not, like, it's not balanced. It's not between, like, I'm choosing between Rory's fantasy and the Doctor's fantasy. It's between, <laughs> I mean, it's between Rory's and her own. Well, I, I don't think it's really a choice at this point, though, because Rory doesn't know enough about what they've been doing, about the travelling and stuff. He, he's getting a, an idea that it's dangerous, and he's, he's kind of picking up on the negative side. But Rory has nothing to do with the choice, really. Well, he doesn't, but his presented option being the alternative, is driven by the fact that all he's seen is Amy running off with someone, potentially cheating on him, and getting into danger. Whereas if when she starts talking about, why would we give up this? Like, we could be travelling the stars and stuff. Yeah. He's not really on board with that yet. But that's what you talk through as a couple. You, you kind of, like, plan your future together, and you talk about the options. And I don't know, I think, I think that choice would kind of either present itself stronger or, or lesser. 
if they if they spoke about it and it, it kind of would possibly fade away. I also think as well that it's not. I don't think it is Amy's choice. I know the episode is called Amy's Choice, but this is the Doctor's projection of what he thinks Amy's options are. So your option is to be with me and have these incredible adventures or to be with him and have a boring, mediocre life where nothing happens. So it's not, I it's think, not Rory's I think that's fantasy. right. I think, yeah. And I think that answers my question. I yeah. think it's... Yeah. yeah, you're right. Which the Doctor, of all of them, reacts to the most viscerally. Like, this is so dull. My mind is is atrophying yeah. behind my eyes. And he and he is harsh. He's very harsh to Rory in this episode, both hi- him personally and him as the Dream Lord. Yeah. Constantly just picks apart Rory and calls him stupid and it's like, why would you choose this man when you could have me? Like, is that his, his subconscious? Because what... It must be. Well, isn't that... Doesn't he even say that? It's sort of the darker side of his subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. This is fascinating to me because for the longest time during... Like, what, while watching this episode, I was thinking to myself, like, this would never happen, though. The Ledworth scenario would never happen because she's too strong of a person. Like, yeah. too, she has too strong of a character to let this happen. Mm. This has solely Rory's influence. It has none of hers. Like, she's just sort of relented to his desires. Even if she were to stay in Ledworth, th- she would be like in a rock band and she would have, I don't know, like the house would be painted black. I don't know, like she's too cool for that stuff. Yeah, she'd be a sexy pregnant strippergram. Bingo, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And she would never let him get away with that haircut. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I know, it's, that's the no first clue. <laughs> like, you look at Rory and you go, this is absolutely the dream world, let's just kill ourselves now. Like, there's no question. Okay, so it's... It- <laughs> It's the Doctor's subconscious's projection of what he thinks Rory wants. But Rory does buy into it, so the Doctor is accurately projecting this with his subconscious, so it comes to represent what Rory does want. But then Rory cuts off his ponytail, so he's willing to compromise. So I think that is a signal to Amy that it wouldn't be that bad, really. It doesn't have to end up this way. And I think that maybe plays a part. And I think as well... At the end, when they're like, where do we go now? He has opened up a little bit and he goes, okay, let's carry on with this. Let's go. We'll go anywhere. We'll go where you want to go. And I think you're right. That reality would never happen because he would never force her somewhere that she's not going to be happy. He His job in life is to make her happy, I think. Yeah. And even um, if he wanted to, he wouldn't be able so to. So he would follow her to the stars until she's bored with it, basically. And yeah. that's it. He would never force. In fact, force. he does. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it is Rory's fantasy. It's, you're right, it's between those two choices. It's having Amy safe and home and the baby and we're married and we're happy. That's, like, he just wants her and he wants to be happy. And the other choice is her with this man that's better than him in every way and can offer her things that he can't. And so between those two choices, he's going to offer the one where she picks him. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. like I like how the baby Rory's expecting Amy to have will be the most boring, you know, bucolic, featureless baby. Wait, why? Well, because it's just going to grow up in middle England nowhere. Oh, I and see. And then yeah. he gets slightly different baby. Oh. <laughs> yeah, in the end. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, I see. What you- oh, that's very good. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he could not predict that <laughs> at this point, bless him. <laughs> He's got no clue what's coming. Is this basically, though, an extension of marriage counselling from the previous episode? Yes! With, yeah. like, unintentionally, in 100%. a way. 100%. But actually, that's the, the entire makeup of this episode, is the fact that Amy has to 
make a choice, but also Rory has to make a choice as well. It's like he one of those weird sort of role-playing exercises yeah. in the psychologist's room. It's like, oh, now you be that person and you be that person. Now imagine this life. Because it is the very two simplistic alternatives. As yeah. You stay with a the doctor, danger is there, you could end up dying frozen on a TARDIS, or you go and have the cosy, well not cosy, the very boring <laughs> village life that Rory has probably been tell- telling you about, and it's those two extremes, whereas reality obviously comes a little bit more and compromise in, in the middle, and they could either go off adventures together and, and not die, or um, could settle down somewhere else and maybe become rock stars, you know, it's, but that's basically what we're looking at, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's spot on. Yeah, I think the Doctor, last time he tried to take them to Venice, and guess what, an adventure followed them to Venice. So the psychic plant matter or whatever it was was in the air, and his subconscious thought, I know, we'll, we'll put them together, we'll lock them inside the TARDIS, inside an environment they can't break out of, and that'll be much more effective marriage counselling without any peril. <laughs> and the Doctor can't not do peril! The thing that I wasn't sure about is that all the references about her having to choose the Doctor, and the there's lines like, I've, I've seen your dreams, some of them twice, they would make me blush. And he's kind of playing on this, like, he knows that she's kind of got a crush on him, and he's the kind of through the Dream Lord is implying that he wants that relationship with her as well. And I just think that, Jordan... Do you think so? I think so. I don't know. I mean, who's attracted to the Dream Lord? The Dream Lord is repellent. The Doctor wants her to be repelled from this idea because of the idea of voyeur seeing in, like the creepiest man. To to me, the biggest reveal there was that she never denied it. They're like, oh, I I know that you have these sexual fantasies about the Doctor. And she never goes... No, I don't. It just goes, oh, oh no, he knows my deepest, like, darkest thoughts, like, my secrets. We kind of knew, we kind of knew that was I know, but her husband-to-be is standing right there. And not saying anything. Not saying a thing, just his disgusting little rat tail dangling Mm. in the wind. Yeah, like, when did you last have a dream about this slapping you in the face? (laughs) (laughs) I think there's an element, though, that you're in that kind of situation, and you don't just start denying everything, because that's what the guy wants. So, do you think th- that she, uh, has, she hasn't had dreams? No, I think her. she probably yeah, has. Yeah, of course she has. But... If she was seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no, not in that oh. way. I mean, they got progressively more adult as she herself matured. Hmm. Yeah, but she, you know, she has played up that they're incredibly graphic thoughts, and it's like perverted even because he's like, like, you know, like freaking Bruno level thoughts. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see it. Stick to Borat. Oh right, I had no idea what the reference was there. <laughs> okay. For a second there, I was thinking Popeye. <laughs> no, that's Bluto. Bluto. Uh, Strong Trump. I was just thinking Frank Bruno. I was like, is it, uh, is it even next one that's falling in, in the scandal? <laughs> no, our Frank is above reproach. Well, who knows? How did you feel about the trigger? I, I like how this is now a psychologist session. How did you feel? <laughs> now, how did you feel about the audio trigger of the uh, the birds chirping in the background? I quite liked it. I think... It's quite a creepy mechanism, and there's a lot of sinister stuff going on that it kind of it plays on the sort of twee and, and twinkly. It's never quite you know horror stuff, but yeah, I quite liked it. I thought at first that it was really bad audio work until I got the got what was going on. My uh, very my first note is Rory's hair. My second <laughs> note is holy smokes, they really turned up the garden foley to eleven, and like maybe a minute later, I've written, oh, I see, that's deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. They made a very bold claim in this episode, didn't they? Where the doctor was like, look, look everywhere for, don't believe what you see and hear and everything. If there is any continuity error, that probably means it's a dream. 
And Ooh. so everybody is watching this episode with twice the level of attention. And that's all dream. Well, in the end, yes. <laughs> and do you know I didn't see that twist coming? No, no, me neither. Is this the nicest treatment in fiction, though, of and then they woke up? Because that's such a horrible trope that you generally just go, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, but then but, it has that Shamalama Ding Dong twist at the end of like, oh, well, you woke up, but you're still asleep. Yeah. That thing. But if, even when they double wake up, it's it's still it's quite a nice ending. Like, it's, yeah. you don't resent the fact that it was all a dream, which in any other kind of TV or or film, you would just be kind of like, no, just <laughs> shoot the screenwriter right now and and never make them do anything again. What, like they never invited Simon Nye back to write another episode? <laughs> this is the only episode. Really? Oh, oh really? Why? What? I do not know why. Oh, that's a shame. I look up this guy. I know. I already know who he is. Oh, okay, go for it. He is most famous for writing "Men Behaving Badly," a lad sitcom of the '90s, which I loved as a 13-year-old, and that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> but I also loved it as a 13-year-old. So. Did you? Yeah, really? Hmm. I think one of the reasons why it works really well that like the dream is potentially reality, and then the would-be reality is also a dream. It works really well because it's two very plausible Doctor Who episodes in either reality. Yeah. The, the yeah, TARDIS definitely. plummeting into the cold star feels a little edge of discretion-y. And the geriatric zombie people with the eyeball in their mouths. That, that it, like, who are for no reason eating kids and turning them into flour. Like, it's a super plausible Doctor Who adventure. Yeah, it I, reminded me of uh, that woman with her little straw. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is, right? I think if that if that was the episode, though, we would be ripping it to shreds. Probably. If it was just that. But can you not see that but, that could be an yeah, episode? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%, right? Yeah. So two wrongs make a right. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the, uh, the thing I was going to say about the geriatric monsters is we commented last week about all the teeth. There's another open your mouth and the monster comes out. Like, I, yeah. I have a note. I wanted to ask Drew specifically whether you <laughs> had an issue with it or whether you liked that it's slightly different than just showing your teeth. <laughs> I think it was different enough, but it still bothers me on another level. Mm. Yeah. I, and... The thought of those poor actors, those poor old people who have, must have had long careers at this point, just having to gape for, oh, for half a minute old. at a time. Yeah. And just hear, you're so old, over and over again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh that's dreadful. <laughs> like, I know, give me a break. You're older than anyone I've ever seen except me, and I'm 907. <laughs> you must be able to fly with that skin. Uh. Yeah, so if everyone can... <laughs> everyone... Jim. Oh, Jim. <laughs> If everyone can keep their mouths shut next time, that'd be fine. Mm, yeah. <laughs> also, did you notice that there was almost a countdown in this episode? But it was a time limit very different. <laughs> I was going to prank you about a countdown. Now I'm going to have to save that for a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> no numbers get past me. <laughs> can I grab a soundbite just for funsies? This is 15 minutes and 45 seconds in, the very first instance of... Bowties are cool. Bowties are cool. Hey. What was that again, sorry? Bow ties are cool. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered. I thought this might have been the first time. Yeah, I liked that. It's pretty amazing. I right? half expected him to say it to the Dream Lord, though, when he started mocking the bow tie. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for it and it didn't come. I was like, oh, maybe it won't come. And then it did. Oh, the Dream Lord is amazing. Did you? Did anyone see that coming, that the Dream Lord was the Doctor? Yes. I thought that was the lamest possible conclusion. And it, okay, it wasn't actually that lame but of all the possibilities it was probably the lamest or the most obvious yeah i don't know i was when he said like no one hates me as much as you i 
thought, oh, is this another incarnation of the master that we're meeting? I did think that briefly, yeah. but my hopes weren't high enough. Oh. <laughs> Sadly, I, I knew this, not because I'm that clever, but because it had sort of been spoiled for no. me. He yeah. would be awesome as the master, though. He would be. Toby yeah. Jones is, oh my he god. We've said this on, on the show a lot of times, and this is his first appearance <laughs> of Doctor Who, but Toby Jones is amazeballs. Yeah. And he absolutely could come back as the master. If the master is sort of like the inverse id version of the Doctor, then his subconscious representing that is perfect. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But oh, even on top of that, we've had the Doctor regenerate as other actual, you know, creatures or human beings in the universe. So why not? Mm. As in, in, in the guise of, in the appearance of. We met yeah. Peter Capaldi before, so. Yeah, brilliant. And Colin Baker as well, I think, has an appearance before then. Mm. Mm. And also, um, Martha's in... Um in before she comes in, probably. In oh. Doomsday. Oh. That's her cousin. All <laughs> oh. oh, right, long last oh, cousin. Wow. <laughs> but Toby Jones also has the advantage of being shorter than Jodie Whittaker. So she can stare him down in her giant boots and her ill-fitting coat. And he can <laughs> just snark all around her like a horrible little, I don't know, crab. <laughs> oh. So I brought up Goofs earlier. Oh. IMDb only gave two instances of Goofs. And they both really minor. Oh, really? Yeah, and one was in each world, but that can't have been intentional. Oh. They surely can't have set up... Is like, this going to ruin things for those of us who didn't notice them? No, no, they're really, really minor. One is that while Rory's dragging Amy up the stairs, he dislodges a picture as he's pulling her up, and then there's a shot from the top and the picture's back in perfect position. That's nothing. That's just... That's a proper goof. That's not intentional, yeah. Yeah, they just forgot to reset yeah. properly. And the other one is dream rules. Dream rules. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the biggest goof I thought that isn't listed on IMDb was Amy is screaming at the beginning of the episode, as he's running in the door with a face full of rose thorns, just streaming with blood as he runs down the corridor. And by the time he gets into the kitchen, how big is this house? She's just been happily munching on ice cream, (laughs) (laughs) like half through a half ten liter bowl of it. I mean. Um, I think it's it's frosting for the buns that she's making. Is that what it is? Yeah. She's making buns. Yeah. It's not just a giant bowl of ice cream. <laughs> well, I don't know. She's pregnant. She might have had a craving. <laughs> she's baking. She's been a domestic goddess. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Also, I appreciate that little humorous interlude as a form of slapstick. When he knocked um, into the roses. Which I, I think... thought that was really funny. You yeah. know what I thought was really nice about his delivery of that line? It was that I've lived in this house for X number of years and this fucking rose bush <laughs> every bloody day. Like, that was all in their delivery at that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so good. That was great. <laughs> he is pretty wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Because last week, Rory was getting a real, like, bad end of the stick. Do you think that we like him more this week? Is he given more of a chance to develop? I think he's less picked on. But yeah. Barely. Barely. Yeah. Is he basically only more accepted because she comes to her senses and yeah. realizes what she's lost? Yeah. I think yeah. that's a really important moment because I think it is throughout it, the Doctor and the Dream Lord both do just pick on Rory. Like, there's a line yeah. I picked up on that, um, where he's got the, the bottle opener and he's like made up this crank and oh, he's yeah, like, yeah. and he snaps and he shouts and he goes, Rory, wind. And then, Amy, could you please possibly plug this? And he's so polite and nice to Amy. In the same breath, he's just snapping at Rory. And it's like, that's how he treats him all episode. He's really, like, sharp with him. The Dream Lord 
there's the nice line about oh what, you, if you die in the dream you wake up what, ask me what happens if you die in reality and oh, Rory yeah. <laughs> just just proffers the line you know what happens like he's just going oh go on then tell us and he's like S- calls him stupid and he's just really yeah like belittles him so yeah so we just get more of what we had last week and then it's Amy at the end kind of like brings him back round into like no we do we do love Rory we want to be with Rory we gonna accept him now and he's on board with the traveling and that's kind of his fresh start so maybe from next week he'll be more of a like a proper companion rather than this like third wheel gooseberry type character when he makes the choice of like yes i'm with you now we're gonna go on these trips does he do that for her solely or does he do that because as a character he's also undergone a little bit of a bridge like there's a there's a development and he has now found some sort of appreciation for all this adventures no idea Hmm. Mm, Time will tell. That's a tough one, yeah. I don't know. There's not really enough happens for him to have made a a clear change, I think. I I don't think so. I think Uh, it's almost uh, obviously all for her. Because he hasn't Mm. seen anything fantastic. Like like you say, he's he's seen the dangerous side of it. He's doing it for her. Whereas Amy got got to float out in space in a nightdress in her very first outing. She's seen planets. She's rescued people. She's seen the good side of it. He hasn't had that yet. So I think at this point it is just, I've seen what my fantasy life could be and I've seen that you weren't happy there. So let's try yours for a little bit. I'm not even sure it's that much. I think it's just because at that point he realized that she was, she was prepared to sacrifice herself for him. Yeah. And it's, it's like a step up. In Vampires of Venice, she was prepared to snog him as sort of, you know, I'm so really shut him up. Exactly. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. that I cheated on you, but here's a here's a snog, and he's like, "Oh, fine, great, <laughs> problem solved." And now it's well, you hated my life, but then you were about to sacrifice yours for me. Okay, fine, go ahead. I'll, like I'll just follow you anyway. Yeah, I see how this works out for me in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Well, no. <laughs> Very useful else... to have around. <laughs> Did anyone else not think when the doc's like, "Hey, shall I just go and swim a few lamps?" Would you not be like, "Hell's yes, <laughs> give us yeah. give us a bit of alone time." Yeah, now. exactly. Please, like she's just sacrificed herself for me. We're gonna have to work this out um, yeah, instead of in the Olympic length. Pool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hundred laps, quite. <laughs> Take time. I don't want to see you back till you've regenerated. <laughs> Yeah, you missed the trick there, poor Rory. I think I think also there's a there are lots of layers in this episode as we are getting into lots of psychological layers, not mm. just in the terms of the dream hierarchy, but while the dream lord is the doctor in a way calling Rory all these terrible things, Amy does have a choice. She could be agreeing with all these things. Mm. You know, last week or or the week before or whatever, she held Rory in such contempt that might be a question, but they don't quite play that up enough. But that is latent i think hmm. so i i wrote a few quotes down and Ooh. one that i i just didn't really get why the doctor says it and maybe someone else did understand but he, that was to explain at, at one point <laughs> he basically barges past everyone when the uh the dream lord has done his kind of blink out from over here and i'm now i'm standing behind you haha um and goes <laughs> i'll do the talking here in a, a very strange kind of tone and basically then just says amy what do you think's going on here it's just, yeah. it's just really weird. I don't know if anyone's picked up on that and why it was there as a line or. Sorry, Jim, I can't explain that one for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure either. 
do you think now I'll do the talking? Do you think that's uh, it, like a little nod to those who are rewatching the episode so that they go, oh yeah, because he's doing the talking even when he's the Dream Lord? Do you think at what point does he recognize himself as the Dream Lord? Well, this was the other thing when he says, ah. like, I only know one person hates me as much as this guy does. Yeah, like that connects completely with the rest of the things he says about the Dream Lord when he's understanding who the Dream Lord is. Yeah. So is it at that point that he knew, which uh, is really early on? And it, so in the line that you just said, is that before or after? The I'll do the talking is, is basically as soon as the Dream Lord appears. Okay, yeah. And then not long after, he kind of susses Because I would see is. that as maybe he's shutting down the Dream Lord. He's like, I'll do the talking now. It's someone's appeared in his TARDIS. This is not supposed to be possible, even though it's happened quite a few times now. <laughs> And he's taking, Donna! Donna did! Yeah, Donna's done oh. it! Oh, Donna. Always have to remind us of that group. <laughs> but yeah, he's really not happy when that happens, and especially someone that's controlling him in the, that way that he can't, you know, he doesn't know how or why or what's going on. So he's kind of asserting authority. But then, yeah, when he immediately turns to Amy and says, what do you think? And that's uh, it kind of continues, and she's constantly asking the questions and saying, who are you? You must know the Doctor because you said this. You must have a history, da 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 and eventually she says, the doctor always tells me, it, sometimes it takes him a while, but he always tells me, therefore you must be something different. So she's already cottoned on that he's not the usual foe. But my issue with that is like, how impatient are you, Amy? You've been in there less than 14 minutes and you're already deciding that the doctor hasn't told you yet, so it must be something else. And half the time he's asleep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that really bothered me as well, because we haven't seen any time where the doctor's not told us something and then later on, like, have we had an example of that? I don't think enough time has passed. No, exactly. And she say if she'd have said that in the other reality when she's pregnant, that would have made sense because there's there's implied they've travelled a lot with the Doctor and things have happened that we haven't seen. But she doesn't. She says it in the TARDIS, which I assume to be just after we left them last week. So that line is nonsense and doesn't really fit with what we've seen. No, not very well. No. You know the other sad thing about this what? is that all those things you were saying about that he's different and everything, all that was sort of evidence that in a parallel universe, could have pointed to Toby Jones being the master. Yeah. Like, he's the only one who hates the Doctor as much as that and knows him and is in that way different because he's a fellow Time Lord. Yeah. And the Doctors are like, well, I'm definitely the last one. <laughs> but because the BBC spoil everything, that was never an option. Yeah. If they could just keep their fingers in their pants or wherever they need to, <laughs> then uh, there'd be so many more possibilities that we might be titillated with mm. please bbc hire us to script some of your future seasons <laughs> thank you very much for tuning in and uh, enjoy the rest of the show <laughs> yeah and lay off the perception filter <laughs> mm. and the hive minds fuck's sake i was just about to say <laughs> you know why you were just about well, to say <laughs> while we're at it yeah <laughs> did, the old, did the old people have hive minds they all open their mouths at the same time Ooh, oh that's a good question oh. Like, oh. right at the same time. They were either that or they were just very well choreographed. <laughs> like, on three guys, someone at the background's like banging his stick. Why did they pick <laughs> the Speaking of banging of... a stick, Rory hits the one with the plank and it just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> she made out of granite. Oh my god, I love that bit. I love it. Bless him, he's so sweet when he's like, I can't hit her. I know she's an alien monster that wants to kill me, but she's a little old lady and I can't hit her. That's so sweet. As we're talking about Rory on Granny action, what did you think of the the, <laughs> the defenestration of Granny Smith uh, when is that is that Rory or is that the Doctor? No, that's that's the, that's doctor. the Doctor, isn't it? Yeah, 
uh, one grandmother who gets just catapulted off the the side of the house. <laughs> I think that's quite brilliant. That's pretty amazing. Isn't yeah. it? It's an arresting image. Yeah. <laughs> I have some trivia about the old people. Okay. Because Mrs. Poggett, she has been in the Doctor Who universe previously. Wait, which one's Mrs. Poggett? She's like the main one, the the sinister one, the Don't one with the jumper. The jumper. The one is really old. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, I see. Really old. <laughs> She has been the abbess slash Gorgon in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, that's where I know her from. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Mr. Nainby. You remember Mr. Nainby? No. Staggers about a bit. I don't know if he has a moustache. He he does a lot of big, staggering. Is this one of the the chaps in this episode? Yeah, one of the chaps. All right. He was Agadon (laughs) in The Curse of Peladon. Holy smokeroonies mm. and cheesecakes. He bummed what? around as an uncredited unit soldier for a while, but I think the pinnacle of Mr. Nainby's career is he appeared uncredited in the Terror of the Autons as Daffodil Man. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember you Daffodil Man? <laughs> I do remember Daffodil Man. I that rem- was that guy! <laughs> <laughs> I remember several Daffodil Men. Oh my... You were <laughs> This is the plot where the Autons have given out, or the master controlling the Autons has given out lots of plastic daffodils, which obviously people want, but if they're handed out for free, wouldn't you pick one? Of course. Uh, and they're designed to, like, spritz alien gloopy plastic shit onto your face so that you suffocate, basically. Oh, wow. So that's so he's similar to this. He will have been one of the chaps who picked up a daffodil, then I assume. Possibly daffodil man number two, then. <laughs> oh. Okay, right, so screenshots, comparison screenshots of this chap. What's his face? Nainby? Yes, Mr. Nainby. Mr. Nainby uh, on whobackwhen.com. Go there now. Thank you. You're back. All right. Great. <laughs> All right. Something that struck me about this episode is it could have been quite a cheap episode, actually to produce because they're basically shot in a little village and they're in the TARDIS yeah but you don't really notice you don't really care and it's very dialogue heavy which can get boring but I think the dialogue's very it's quite snappy and it's it's especially um, the Dream Lord is just totally just all kind of suave and sarcastic all the time and it's just kind of puns aplenty are just flying at you and it's just it's really it's really nice it's really, yeah, and yeah. It has yeah. very well put together yeah really. absolutely and it has an incredibly high tempo throughout yeah mm. it has that bam 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 but like sped up to <gasps> the max when they're in the camper van they do that and they're like picking up people yeah yeah. That, yeah. like the rescues I love that scene <laughs> just driving through the village like but, but the other thing about when the doctor's doing that there's a guy in the back of the van already and the doctor yeah. says only me <laughs> yeah and the guy in the back of the van knows who he is like sure you again <laughs> Yeah. Everyone in Legworth knows the Doctor. Okay. They all know Amy. He, he's always bitching about their duck pond. Again. Yeah. It seems as though it's very easy for some of these people to get away. Like, wh- why have all the geriatric aliens let these people live for so long? Yeah. yeah. Especially when, when he he picks up, like, a whole family by a gate, <laughs> and they're just, like, slowly but surely being surrounded by geriatrics. Like, oh, for fuck's sake, you'd be powder by now. Are they not bizarrely pushing themselves up against the gate when they're the other side of the gate? Yes. And there's no one in front yes, of them. Yes, exactly, because he's on the road. <laughs> they, he, yeah. they just need to move further away from it. Yeah, you're right. The thing I, I like about this episode, though, and it, in hindsight is kind of a cheap trick, but... Normally, it's like, it's Doctor Who, it's sci-fi, you can kind of like wibbly-wobbly, yeah. and you let things slide. This is like, even more so, because it's like, it's a dream thing. It's like, when you look back at it, it's like, none of this had to make sense, it was yeah. a dream. Yeah. Um, and you kind of, 
actually, you can look at it again and just forgive absolutely everything. Oh, <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. It's, no, I don't, account, I don't think it is. I think, I think you can't in the sense that they could have done something better with both dreams. Oh. And at the end, let me check my notes because I think I made a note of this. I think they struck the perfect balance, to be honest. I think it's nice. It's because you, you say it's it's very sort of monstery in yeah. one hand, and it's very sci-fi in the other. But they don't have to be amazing, do they? Come on, Drew. I like the. They, um, they just need to be. The oh, idea of the cold star was really intriguing, and the idea that the Doctor hasn't seen it, and he kind of goes, "Oh, you know, you expect me to know everything." That's really nice. Cause most of the time, he does know everything. So for him to acknowledge there's bits out there that I've never come across, yeah, I would have quite liked to have seen a whole episode about that. But we got lots less of that dream, and there was no escape plan in that dream. If that had been... Wait, in which one? In the TARDIS one? In the TARDIS one. Yeah, there was no chance. They were just yeah, like, we're just going to wait here and freeze to death, basically. Told to my lord's yeah. 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 Okay, this plays into what I was saying. Yeah. Because my note is, okay, Amy's obviously prepared to take the chance of dying so she may get to see Rory again. You always want what you can't have. What if the dream lord had opened it up somehow, changed the parameters, so that in the TARDIS version... The doctor had died. Mm. And so then Amy had a proper choice. Of yeah. Either she doesn't get the doctor or she doesn't get Rory. Or she can basically save one of them. Oh, yes. that makes, yeah. oh, this makes so much more sense. That would have been better. Yeah. That's a much harder choice. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Moffat, you're listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Chibnall. We need Chibnall. Oh, Chibnall, Chibnall, Chibnall. <laughs> Chris, Chris, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Jim, if I just shat on your dreams? <laughs> I think just near them. Um, <laughs> still so getting a visual, like, that's all right. Just a vague smell, but you can still stomach it. Oh, Christ, I need a top-up. <laughs> <laughs> I think, in a way, though, this is, this is a different premise. It's quite easy to give a very straight cut, save this one over here or save that one over there, and it's like gun-to-the-head kind of moment, whereas this is a bit more... It is more emotional, it's more heart-wrenching, it's more... Suddenly she comes to terms with the fact that even though she's known this guy for two years and has pledged to marry him, she suddenly realises she can't live without him. And it is a proper emotional thing that she wouldn't have got if she had a clear-cut choice between the Doctor. It's not just an emotional connection that she could have. It's the Doctor can probably save me as well. So when the Doctor's gone from one universe, you kind of stood there with Rory going... We can't fly a fucking TARDIS. And it's also well, a, no, probably no. not a choice that she's able to make or that anyone is, is, should be forced to make. You know, choose but, between having this person die and this other person die. This is a, ch- a choice between having a person or not having a person. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the Dream Lord could make her make that choice. When they're in the camper van and they're, she's about to, re- she's revving the accelerator, she's about to charge toward the house. The bird song could come in at that point. And then the Dream Lord could go, Look, we're back in the TARDIS, and hey, your precious doctor's frozen to death. What do you do now? I, I don't know. It was emotional. You had all the emotion back in that universe. Now here's even more emotion. It's cold sun emotion. But then, she, <laughs> but then she would be either next to a awake Rory or a dead Rory. Yeah. A cold Rory, a very a shivering Rory, unlike Karen Gillan, but she who would never shivers once. But she no, would see that he was awake. Don't. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she'd have confirmation of whether Rory's really dead or not. So then she would know which one was a real dream. <gasps> oh, you've logicked me out of it. Yeah. Oh, you guys, <laughs> see, they were clever in this episode after all. <laughs> Some idiot suggested that, and they were like, "You fool!" <laughs> this right. is the way it has to be. Two things. One, Drew, can you pass me the Aperol and Prosecco, please? Yep, Two, yep. top uh, up coming. <laughs> thank you very much. As I'm interrupting anyway, does anyone else need a top-up? I could probably go for a top-up. <laughs> oh, bingo bongo, let's do that. Uh, time out. Remind, re- remember it. that I had another point to make. Yeah, yeah, of course. Leon's got a point. 
You have a point. Oh yeah, you had a point. Shit. Oh no. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh well, yeah, what were we talking about? I remembered what you told me to remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help you on that. <laughs> Dude, you you got to keep better control of your points. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> one thing that bothered me, but now that Jim's explained that it's all a dream and so none of it matters, so it's it's, it's all um, fine. It's all fine. But there's a point where all the old people are just gunning for them and they're attacking them and they're in the house and they can't get away and I can't remember who says it but maybe Amy says it why are they so desperate to kill us and then the doc says they're scared fear generates savagery however when we had the angels and they were scared because the light was there and he said they're scared they won't attack you this is when she had to walk and pretend that she could see and if you walk like you can see then they'll leave you alone oh. because they're scared so we Drag have the exact scene. opposite. That's a very good point. Mm. Yeah. And that, but that's that's not a dream thing. That's the doctor explaining it. Exactly. The doc. Yeah, that's the doctor's explanation. So depending on how it suits the narrative of yeah. the week. Yeah. 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 He's got a platitude ready for every occasion. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Nice little human. Don't get frightened. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is something that bothers me a little bit in this episode, which. Um, oh my god, I just remember what my thing was. But please, carry, no, 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 I'm going to write go, it down. Go, go. I mean, no, no, I'll, I'll write it down. I'll write it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, they're very slight, but there are a couple of references that don't put mental health into a very good perspective. Mm. Oh. So. I was going to say that. There's the first thing when they sit down on the bench and they're talking about the dull life, and the doc actually says, like, how do you stop yourself from self harming? What? About, oh, I missed about that. This, this village is just so dull. And. So at the same time that um, Amy answers dull, I think, um, the doc says self-harm. And it, yeah. and it's just, it's kind of like a throwaway oh. thing and they don't dwell on it at all. But it's... That's it's entirely not kind of okay. No, yeah. it's a family show. Like, if you're going to talk about mental health issues, you should talk about it with a bit of respect. And they've, I think by, I think she says boring. I wrote down... That's boring, is it? Bo- yeah. yeah how, how, why is it so... Oh. I can't remember exact, the exact line. But no, what do you do to stave off the... Yeah, and he, at the same yeah. time, she says boredom and he says self-harm. And it's effectively saying, like, it's so boring that I will cut myself. Like, it's it's equating I am I have nothing to do, I'm bored, with it's, self-harm. Yeah, yeah. I don't it's, think that's very... Just, that's a very callous thing. But it, yeah. it's so, yeah, mishandled in, yeah. in just how little they dwell on it. Like, why would really you write that? A, a problem that is quite yeah. common. Yeah. And then there's, um, Rory says it, and we've already established that in this fantasy he's trained to be a doctor. We already yeah. knew he was a nurse. And he refers to one of the, the elderly ladies, I fixed her depression. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Which oh. is just, um, yeah. Mr. Mr. Doctor Guy? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I guess you could explain that away by saying this is just a fantasy and someone, like, whoever has constructed this fantasy, presumably the Doctor then hasn't really scripted it very well. But this is Rory in the fantasy saying this. But R- with, would... with medical training, he was a nurse. And um, presumably... Do you think that... Oh, mental awareness. Yeah, no, no, I, yeah. I agree with you. But do you uh, think that he would have the knowledge to feign being a medical professional? Not to doctor level, but... But think, more so than to... fix someone's well, depression. Yeah. yeah, you're right. No, 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 yeah. you're, you're 100% right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rory currently in the real fictional universe as a nurse probably thinks yeah i could be a doctor i could fix people's depression whatever it's just because he doesn't know any better okay no i don't don't know i feel like if you're in the medical profession of any level even if you're a nurse rather than a doctor you'd still have i don't know i've not been through the training myself but they must talk about 
He's a specialist in mental health. He can't specialize in everything. I also assume um, that he's saying this. Is he saying this when they're indoors with the, uh, it, like, they're in the care home? So he's saying this no, in this the is, prison. No, this so is the one that comes and he can't attack her. Oh, right. He said, oh, not her. I fix her depression. Oh, right. And now I have to spank with a plank. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, yeah. I agree. That's pretty awful. Um, but he, I don't he's know. just been listening to too much Coldplay. Wait, what? It's, it's he thinks he can fix everybody. That's all it is. Oh, I see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, he, what probably happened in the dream world was that she's like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm so very depressed. And she saw Rony's, Rory's ponytail and thought, it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my doctor. Chug another point depression up for Rory. badge. <laughs> hey, Rory, I'm, turn around, turn around. Oh, there's the good stuff. <laughs> I'm not quite... Sure, what path he was on to get in the, becoming a doctor when he was a nurse, but five years doesn't seem like five years is not enough from what we saw of no, him no, before. No. It's just, it seems like, <laughs> yeah, this is serious fantasy ground here. Like, this should have been another kind of like <laughs> ringing of bells. Maybe this is a dream. <laughs> I did wonder throughout That's this episode so actually because I, I was very much skewed towards, well, obviously, the scenes in the TARDIS are the reality. Mm. How are they going to get me? to doubt that yeah because obviously upper ledworth is a fiction they're not just going to jump forward in the mid-series five years time and then amy's going to have a baby from next week that's not a possibility yeah do you think that's why they make the tardis bits so kind of we have no way of escaping it because you're left with that kind of but but if that is the reality they're gonna die because they haven't done anything well, I mean, that's mm. that's part of it. And the cold sun as well. is So they're introducing doubt and they're constraining the environment. But I don't know. I, it, it did actually stop me from thinking, well, they could both be dreams. While yeah. I was thinking, well, one yeah. is obviously more a dream than the other. Yeah. I didn't see them as equivalents. So maybe that's why they did it. Yeah, that's clever. I want to just pull up on something that Leon just said. Um, so I don't know. You sort of said that it is this dream is scripted by the doctor. Yeah. Um. And that was a sort of... In a sense, anyway. In a question that I'd had, actually, is that how much of it is... It's all constructed... Like, the environment they're in is constructed by him, but we're meant to assume that Amy and Rory are acting independently. They are saying what they would say. But I don't know... There's a few points where they kind of say things that, like, jar a little bit, and it's like, I don't know whether that is... So, Amy... When duh, 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 when Rory dies, I know that she's very upset and stuff, but she is goes all out for the doctor and she goes, what is the point of you? Like, if you can't bring him back, what is the point of you? And that's such a harsh line. And that's not why you become friends with the doctor is not so you, he can save everyone. Surely it's because he shows you the world. And I don't know. And I didn't know whether that was a bit of like, that's his fear that if he can't save people, then what's the point of him? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I didn't read that much into it, but that's a super interesting question. Sorry, yeah. Jim, go ahead. Because I, I took it very straight as well. It's just like in, in her grief, it's yeah, I've exactly. seen you save so many people. How could you let someone I cared about? But yeah, he, and he's it's also like, seen people die. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, he knows that he can't save everyone. I don't no, think no, it's you, like, hey, what's the point of you in general? I think it's like, what's the point of you in this moment? Like, if you can't help this particular moment, this particular problem, if you can't solve it, then why Why am I here? Why am I, you know, why am I still with you? Mm. Mm. Oh my God, there's so many levels. <laughs> do you think, do you think, because I thought that this was something to criticise Amy for. 
in the episode as it happened. I thought it was just like her saying, what's the point of you if you're not like my own personal sex genie who does everything I want and just ravishes me at a moment's notice? But, but... Wait, sorry, what was that again, sorry? A moment's notice! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Karen Gillan. <laughs> but this is exactly what the Doctor doesn't want her to think of him as. Mm. So he is specifically setting up this scenario though, so that she stops thinking of him in such a facile, superficial way. So I get that. I like that. Does that make Amy any less culpable? I don't know, but it makes me like the scene a little better. Okay, so I remembered the thing that I wanted to say uh, oh, yeah. some time ago. <laughs> You've left your point dangling this whole time. <laughs> I know. Put your point away and get it out. No, sorry about it. Oh, Wait, put it away and get it out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so... It- Hit us with your point. <laughs> <laughs> There's one scene in which the Dream Lord says, all right, you chaps, you can now fall asleep in the TARDIS and wake up in Ledworth, but Amy's going to stay with me. And... I'm not entirely sure, unless I've forgotten or I misunderstood or whatever, I'm not entirely sure we fully realize her experience in the TARDIS solely with the Dream Lord. He basically just says one thing, right? He says, like, oh, well, you're stuck here with me. Anything could happen. He All of a sudden, he morphs into, you know, oh, chest hair exposed, yada, yada. But- Seven Seas Medallion to boot. Yeah. <laughs> but that's sort of it. Right? There's not much else to that scene. And she spends a lot of time in the TARDIS mm. with just the Dream Lords. Never shivering. So what? <laughs> never shivering. So what is it that we are meant to fill that gap with? Halt. I did think, actually, that was very kind of topical with all of the, like, Weinstein stuff at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Not hot. Not hot, true. Not hot. Unhot. <laughs> but Toby. yeah. Zip up that shirt. It's a, it's a young... Zip up that... Wait, what kind of shirts do you wear, Drew? What is that? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the quickest way possible. <laughs> Staple it close. Yeah. Make this right, Toby. Make all of this horrible world right. But again, because I, well, I said earlier that I think that it's not just one way. I don't think it's just the Amy fantasizing about the Doctor. I think it's the other way. And I think this is maybe another example of like... This is the Doctor being seductive. Well, not... I don't know. Okay, I I see it. Go with it, go with it. But, yeah, and this... I had a problem with it because I think it's... We've not at this... At any point up until this, we've always said she's had this crush on him. She's idolised him and wanted him and thrown herself at him. And he's consistently treated her like a little girl and kissed her on the forehead and is very protective of her. And he's never shown any kind of sexual attraction to her. And then, yeah, in this dream world, his, like, dark, dark, it's like seedy self. Captain Kirk alter ego yeah, of the Doctor, yeah. who just, like, openly shags people. You yeah. know what they should have done? They, Toby Jones should have said, I can change my form if that helps. And then Tenant appears. Oh. <laughs> it's like, do you want to join my poon collection? <laughs> There's a place for you. I love redheads. Mm. <laughs> okay, question. How much of the Dream Lord is the Doctor speaking as in, in the guise of the Dream Lord? And how much of that is the weird space telepathic shit pollen that seems to have infected him in some way? Oh, the mind parasites. That's the one. Like, do, does that... He calls it pollen, right? So the thing yeah. that he then, mm. by the way, just sort of blows back into space. Cause like, <laughs> yeah. right, you go find another spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Next guy Destroy someone it. else's life. But that entity, is it in any way 
responsible for what's happening here? Is is it just the catalyst or is it actually an intelligence behind it sort of driving it? I think I took it just as a catalyst because uh, if you describe something as pollen, it 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 wasn't an alien species that's that's just doing like this a drug intentionally. Basically. Yeah, it's it's a drug. Because I, I can't remember who said, oh, a couple of people have mentioned that it's like he's created this world that's this choice and it's like marriage counselling. I don't actually think that there was any like intent from him to do that. I think it's just what's been on his mind yeah it's not it's not like he's trying to fix their relationship just by by process of what they've gone through it's had turned out that way but i think it's just the darkest thoughts that are maybe yeah this young 21 year old throws herself at you and you responsible adult 900 year old man go no this is wrong but a little part of you the deep, darkest bit inside you that you don't want to admit is there goes actually she is quite hot like, does that mean yeah, that actually the old man does like a bit of young yeah exactly oh. yeah Oh shit! I mean, so really he's actually creepy. just Matt Smith is literally just regretting not having a slice of strange at this point. Ugh! Does that make the entire thing then uh, that he's basically asking for confirmation? <laughs> he's, he's, he's literally presented two choices: you can go and have your boring life with Rory, or you can come with me. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think so. This is how I read it: is that <laughs> he's basically he's constantly Rory's fantasy life is dull and boring and sends him to sleep. And he presents Rory as the worst option. And as the Dream Lord, he's lo- he looks at the two guys in this scene in the TARDIS when they're both asleep and Amy's with him. And he's like, look at them, like, realistically, which one are you going to choose? He's really forcing her to say, well, you're the more handsome one, obviously, I want to be with you. I think he, goes, he even says he's tall, dark and handsome. And then points at Rory and says, he's not quite so impressive. Like, he very belittles Rory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're onto something there. Yeah. I think the mind parasite amplifies whatever's there yeah if it was in rory and amy as the doctor says it would have starved to death so the doctor has some realization that he represses as much as he can to the back of his consciousness that yeah i'm way hot than rory but i should do the decent thing and then the dream lord is like i'm the decent thing well, hey <laughs> <laughs> oh he had so much fun in that role didn't he toby yeah, jones he was great he yeah. was really enjoying himself and i, I mentioned it before a dialogue but some of it is just, it was just so fun. It was, like he talks, talks about there being two realities and he's just me like, take two and call me in the morning. It's just, it's I such, love that. It's such yeah. a weird line, but it's just so, so nice. <laughs> it's such a good line. Actually, I, I wrote it down here, sound by 1335. One reality was always too much for you, Doctor. Take two and call me in the morning. Such a good line. Mm. Such a good line. And that's Toby Jones acting as a doctor. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah it is. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> and a challenge, an equal for the protagonist. Like last week, I was saying about how Rosanna was brilliant because she was on the Doctor's level, and mm. Toby Jones literally is the Doctor's level. Just Toby Jones is back in his way head. more so than Rosanna, right? Yeah. Rosanna yes. is just on the Doctor's level because she also is quote a foreigner, right? Like she's a, an off-planet, off-worlder. That's the only thing that they have in common, whereas here, Toby Jones couldn't have more in common with the Doctor because he is the Doctor, in a sense. Well, I just mean on the sense of independent agency, you know, rather than, here's the Doctor on up here and down here is just someone for him to defeat. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that's what I was getting at. Yeah. It's nice, actually, that we've had an episode, the first one for a while, where we haven't had references to the cracks and the silence and everything. We kind of got away from that a little bit because every other foe, including Rosanna, has known something the Doctor hasn't, and this is the first time for a while that he's been 
he's had the upper hand. Cause... Yeah, and even when we've had a, an episode about something completely different, like the beast below, yeah. we still end on a bloody crack somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I hadn't thought that's, about that, but that's, uh, a, no, that's very, very refreshing. Mm. It's a, the the equivalent of in the the episodes of Classic Who that we're going through on, on Who Back When, where. It, it, at some point, finally, there's not a master episode, and yeah. you're just like, oh, <laughs> oh wow, there's other stuff that happens as well. Yeah, yeah it's nice. Cause it's, it's interesting because a lot of Doctor Who episodes you can kind of see were written just as a one-off episode, and then they shoehorn in the reference to the arcs that's going on. And yeah, it, it could have appeared anywhere at any point in the series. Whereas obviously, this had to be very early on to get Rory on board and to start the the journey properly. Yeah, and to have their relationship dynamic at so this point. Did they plan out the relationship stuff before they planned out the big arc? Perhaps I don't know. I don't know. And then Ooh. they came back and went and did the the first episode and kind of went, oh yeah, let's talk. Had them all talking about it. Oh maybe and didn't come back to this one or I don't know because there could be a little nod if they wanted to. Like, yeah, like with all the other ones where it's just and here's a crack at the end. Yeah, mm. but they didn't. You blow the shit pollen into the crack. Into a crack. At the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would have been. The perfect way to do that in a bad way, but you know, the, 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 the way that they do it. Yeah, it's nice that they do it in a different way, but you can appreciate how interwoven it is without it being the same old thing. Yeah. Yeah. There was a thing, though, in that when Toby Jones first introduces himself, he's saying, like, oh, the Doctor, you're not as clever as I've heard. So mm. the Doctor is hearing all these yeah, people true. going, Doctor doesn't know. And he's, he's actually starting to he's rankle. Yeah. Yeah. It's subconscious. Yeah, yeah, that's clever, Because this is one thing I wrote down, which we have brushed up against a lot of times, but it's just, it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's just basically a journey through the Doctor's subconscious. Like, this entire thing is just their, their bit parts in the the darker side of the doctor's brain yeah i think yeah. so to, yeah. to think a so. fairly substantial degree yeah so he's pretty fucked up <laughs> yeah he's 900 well yeah, he's 907 yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of angst there as he says but... yeah yeah maybe you should talk yeah. to someone he hijacked the tardis basically because he ran out on a therapy session right and he's just added to that ever since <laughs> the thing we haven't really touched upon is the whole there's a lot of emphasis about how he abandons people how he's not a good friend He's just collecting people and then in their True. time of need, like, and that's, that's really hard to defend because we've seen it happen. It does, like, I guess if we knew who, he, do, he doesn't want to abandon Rose. He, she gets trapped in a parallel universe, but he gives the other doctor to her as a bit of a, like, well, my conscience is clean now. You can go and live your life. And there's a bit of a mobile period where he thinks about her, but then he just moves on and yeah he could have abandoned this universe completely easily and just settled down for dom domesticity yeah but that's exactly what he hates the most here he's yeah. like this is what it would have been like if i had a baby with exactly. rose and i had to join amdram oh fuck me I, I, it would have just destroyed my mind <laughs> <laughs> and then donna he's got the handy excuse of he can never go back to her because her brain will explode but he could still so have... So it's uh, let her off the hook a bit. But he, he doesn't go back and see Will. Exactly. He could have cafe like, meets with one. Yeah. He oh, when I saw all these old people staggering like zombies, <gasps> I thought, why can't one of them be Will? Oh, imagine. But yeah, so that that's a thing that he does. And the line about um, he likes the company of the young, there, there is that when they're young and carefree and have no responsibilities... Before they grow up properly. Before they grow up, yeah. He is the Peter Pan of Time Lords. Um, and then... Cause it, cause there's a, Amy and Rory are talking about when they're gonna get married. And she's like, oh, we can, it can be the night before our wedding, wedding for the rest of our lives. And he turned around and said, we have to grow up at some point. 
And yeah, Amy is not wanting to grow up. She's with her childhood friend. She wants this to last forever. And therefore, the doctor wants to keep her because she's going to be his like childhood companion for as long as possible. It's really hard to defend him. It's it's the darkest part of his soul is telling him he's a bad friend and he abandons people. And we've kind of gone, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, kind of saying that it, maybe Amy needs that to happen as well. Well, for her own well-being. For exactly, yeah. Which we do kind of come back around to it like towards the end of her run um this idea that you can't have both actually you can't have the suburban like country domesticated housewife life and be this like fantastic exotic time traveler you have to choose at some point everybody has to choose yeah and eventually they always choose the boring life i guess do they uh, after, do they after time they do yeah after, yeah hmm. Sometimes they're forced into it in a way. A lot of them are forced into it, yeah. But I guess maybe that's the thing, is is it's not his choice. Maybe he wants them to stay with him forever, and it's not him abandoning them, it's them abandoning him. Because they got old, it's their fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has he ever had an old companion? I don't, I don't think so, with classic stuff. The Doctor's about to, right? Yes. Bradley Walsh. Yeah, Bradley Walsh is going to be the next companion. One, one of the next companions. Yeah. Is he old enough to have... Because I kind of thought, like... I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. <laughs> well, you kind of, like, parents have their kids, and they grow up, and then they get a new lease of life. Is is he at that age? I guess he must be, because he's... What, empty nest? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> then they start kind of thinking, oh, oh it's those plans we had to travel, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that is kind of like ideal fodder for the Doctor, but he yeah. hasn't Ooh, done it yet. That's a good point. Why is Bradley Walsh getting into the TARDIS? Has his wife just died? Or has he been single for like 55 years? I mean, what's, what's going on there? Is that, is that, that's going to be about the story, presumably. Yeah. So how old do you think Bradley Walsh is? I'd guess he was 50, 55. Yeah, mid-50s. He's been around for bloody ages. You are all really good at this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 57. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. well done. Yeah, he could have had multiple empty nets by this point. Mm. He'd be a granddad. <laughs> <laughs> probably is. Yeah, probably is. I have a very minor note here. Of the Royal Mail guy just gets zapped. Is, is, is he this episode's red shirt guy? Like, which one? Wait, which one's the Royal Mail exactly. guy? Exactly, <laughs> the cyclist. <laughs> yeah, the cyclist. Yeah, he just he just cycles past nonchalantly when Good this, morning. this entire horde of <laughs> of. <laughs> Elderly Aww. people stood in a, a playing area. Good day to you all, right? I have letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most benign scene you've ever, you've ever come across in your life. It's just, it's just like, oh, hello. <laughs> what? I'm dead. Oh, no. <laughs> if I, I, what a calamity. <laughs> I, I completely did not pick up on his presence at all. Yeah, yeah it, it's absolute non-scene. Like in a second. And we just had the, the kids revelation that they'd they'd killed all the kids and it's it's not even that they're eating them is it the they're just no it's just revenge, no. yeah, why, revenge. Did, why did they is kill it, wait, the children wait, really yeah it's just yeah. because they feel a bit put upon oh interesting so but, why, but yeah why are the children that's not what i took took that to me the children are small and they move slowly and they're easily targeted but why i took that to mean that they were sort of in in a weird macaulay culkin way absorbing the children's energy yeah you would so think it, they'd get something <laughs> from it sorry macaulay if you're listening that's what <laughs> that's what i assumed at the start especially when he says you're like you're super, super, old. super old yeah but there's never anything said no well there's, do that. there's no. never anything said about them at all yeah. it's just like they go well we had to seek refuge here and by the way we've got eyeballs in our mouths yeah but then, as, as Drew references, they, they do explicitly say, we were basically kicked off our planet, and we feel like someone else should 
suffer. There's, it's well, body, he, well the, doc, the doctor says it for them because it's such an obvious storyline that he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Blah, blah, blah. But then again, it's like you already said, it's a dream world. It doesn't really have to make much sense. They're just, they're bad guys. They I, don't need a I wonder if it's just a, like, let's pick, exactly. It's like, let's pick the archetypal Doctor Who villain yeah. in the, uh, the stereotypical Doctor Who setting and just put in some of the standard tropes yeah. and that's it like we don't even have to explain it and the the audience is going to fill in the blanks and we clearly did yeah. in different ways which is wonderful yeah so mission accomplished the thing that bothers me about the the royal mail guy is that it, they spray him with the gas and he dies instantly yeah. <laughs> and then rory lovely rory rory just gets winged rory gets <laughs> To yeah, say his dying got, words. Just and got, like, his left hand, and it just took a while to get well. through the rest. Just a little spritz. Just a spritz. <laughs> Take care of our offspring, or whatever yeah, he says. Yeah. Why would those be dying words? As if she's not going to. I like, know, that's, oh, thanks, Rory. Thanks for telling me that. I would have just abandoned it. Well, no, he's Rory. like, Take care of our offspring, and, and maybe don't drive for the next two minutes. <laughs> oh, d- does she not drive? Like, I mean, that is a very slow. Kamikaze drive that yeah. she has. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, put it in front yeah, no, of well, The, the, the radio is practically it's on in the background. Feet away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to get to seven miles per hour <laughs> and then go pop. Ah, but, but what you neglected to consider is that that last bop is what made the whole house collapse onto them. <laughs> yeah. Pancake her on the doctor. Also, it's, it's glossed over in this scene, but she has an extra airbag out front. Yeah. As in it, oh yeah! It is a there is an extra layer of difficulty to her choice because her baby is is there and is about to come out any day, and she sacrifices it without a thought. But that we don't get to see such a super point. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, I didn't even think I about didn't that. Even in fact, do you, do you know what? Going back to Rory's last wishes, she is directly disobeying his yeah. last wishes. Yeah. Oh, she, she is, is so shitty to Rory, oh even <laughs> post mortem. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you had to tell her to look after the baby. <laughs> oh so in your eyes, told you not to kamikaze. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, in her mind, she—I mean, she does say, "Yeah, this has to be a dream." Yeah, but she doesn't really like. She's not a hundred percent convinced. She goes like, "Either this is a dream, or I don't want to live in this reality." Yeah. yeah. And if option B, then I'm also taking this kid with me. You know what? She's also taking the doctor with her as well. Yeah. Like we talked oh, before he seems about. Totally should it be a choice between like saving Rory or saving the Doctor? But effectively, it is because if she's wrong, she has killed them both. But then the, the Dream Lord, aka the Doctor, tells her it is really your choice. These two men here will do whatever you say, and yeah. it becomes hundred percent true. Yeah, it does. So it's, oh, it's so deep. again, it's it's the Doctor's subconsciousness or awareness of of just how key she is and how much Rory likes her and. Well, loves her. And how much he will follow and, her and, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. The, the trust he puts in his companions, that's why he chooses them, is that he will, not necessarily die for them, he, but he will He will trust them and put his to life To make life the right choices yeah. for him, yeah. yeah. And that was the point where it followed on so brilliantly from the last episode, although that line did seem a bit unwarranted and out of place back then where it was like I got my boys <laughs> the oh, poncho, poncho boys, boys. Yeah, I like I the poncho life. boys and I loved when the dream lord turned up in his poncho as well <laughs> yeah. it's, if, we're, if we're gonna go let's go out looking like a Peruvian foot ba- uh, fault badge <laughs> 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 best line of the show <laughs> that was good I, I quite liked uh, well it's turned out well what a nice bench oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't. I don't like the whole my boys thing. 
It, with or without ponchos. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. I feel like it's too dismissive of Rory. Yeah. It's just too... Or, or possibly it's too inclusive of the Doctor. I think that's saying it's too early on. If she was saying this at, at the end of the series and they'd been through a lot yeah. together and yes, they were a trio, exactly. yeah. maybe that's different. Yeah, give this roughly nine to 11 months yeah. and then we'll see what we Is are. this not kind of Doctor in a nutshell, though? Because you're always aware of the Doctor and every new companion you come in at 11 and you you know the history and they're suddenly up to speed on you know episode two at the very least and and they're suddenly just in amongst it all and that's it there's, there's no kind of yeah that, no, that, that to, is a fair have. point yes i think that's a fair point but in particular in this case with the ponds they're making such a big point mm. of like you know illustrating the the crevice between them and the doctor and and you mean the crevasse <laughs> I, I knew someone was gonna do that <laughs> yeah no i take your point a little throwout question. What okay. do we think of the TARDIS being frozen? I thought it looked super cool when it was go- like going into the, um, oh, the cold out. sun from the outside and it was yeah. just slowly rotating and it, and you could see the ice crystals forming. Forming exactly, exactly nice as it was. Yeah, yeah no, that was beautiful. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I meant more about, uh, that is a nice fact, but I, I meant more the inside, just the set being frozen. Do we like, do we I, like this? I thought it was yeah. really nice. I liked yeah. it, yeah. I like that they mentioned the swimming pool later yeah. in the episode <laughs> because I thought, how is there this much water vapor freezing on everybody? <laughs> Has the swimming well, pool just uh, sublimated and I'm come pre- into the bridge? I'm really sure you were literally the only person who ever thought about yeah. that. <laughs> Except Simon Nye, who was like, I need to put this in, otherwise, yeah. when is he going to complain seven years from now? No, no, right now, Simon is going, yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I was thinking. <laughs> no, Simon Nye is going, the chosen one. <laughs> the one foretold. He's spoken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now he's preparing quality, to transfer his soul into you. <laughs> Great. To perpetuate himself for yet another generation <laughs> that's hey, why he only like gets it. one writing credit because he's in a different body every time yeah and now i'm gonna get to write an episode so yeah. you guys better suck up <laughs> inside the tardis it, this is pre-ice and this is from tardis wiki i've got a little bit of trivia i didn't notice this because I'm, I'm just going to read this straight off tardis wiki it says the box under the tardis console you remember when he opens the box the and there's like lots of yeah, and there's like lots, there are lots of like weird tools in yeah. there and shit. It, it says the do- the box under the TARDIS console the Doctor opens has the words TARDIS time and relative dimension and space build size Gallifrey black hole shipyard type forty build date nineteen sixty three authorized for use by qualified time lords only by the Shadow Proclamation misuse or theft of any TARDIS will result in extreme penalties and permanent exile. Oh. <gasps> It's pretty rad. Why don't the Shadow Proclamation I quite like the 1963 bit. Um, tell him off when they finally meet him in that episode where they didn't do anything? Because it's just a room! <laughs> they're the worst police entity known to man. We've been tracking you for centuries. They employ rhinos. <laughs> like, done. That's nice, sir. Nice little nod. I think so as well. Mm. Okay, another question. Possibly this is a blooper, by the mm. way. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. So... You know, there's there's a scene, I, I really like the scene, where the Doctor is, in a very slapsticky way, sort of stumbling down the street. He's trying not to fall asleep. It's yeah. like where he yeah. puts his fingers in his ears and everything. He goes into the cupboard or the closet, whatever it is. Like, the freezer. The freezer. The freezer. Yeah. Okay, he goes into yeah, the, the meat freezer. freezer. Oh, actually, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Okay, so he goes into the freezer, locks it with his uh, Sonic, yada, yada, yada. The others have already fallen asleep at this point. He's the the only person left standing, and it's only because he has 
all the power and you know authority of the doctor he can withstand just a little bit longer then he falls asleep cut to all three of them wake up at once mm. would not the other two have woken up in the tardis and found the doctor still asleep but then if the doctor's controlling it all so is there a gap in between where we're in just unconscious yeah either they're in some sort of limbo or i feel like there's enough leeway in the fact that the dream lord is deciding who's asleep and who's awake yeah to then just say you're still asleep now and then all three of you are awake because the same ah. thing happened uh when rory died because t- as we understood it you die in the dream you wake up in reality so rory should have been walking around awake True, yeah for a good 10 minutes while they decide well however long while they decided to run the van into the house and kill themselves and he doesn't he wakes up when they wake up I mean, he's if- too cold to wake up he's like in a in a freezing coma at that point yeah i don't know but yeah i think i think it's more yeah the the dream lord He's, he's is, controlling the is, whole thing. He knows what's going on, and he lets the Doctor get to safety before he puts him asleep. It's not the Doctor keeping himself awake. I think he knows, like, it's more interesting if I keep you, like, thinking that you're safe. Yeah, than, oh, yeah, yeah, not fair. Yeah, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that scene. I love, because we've talked before about um, the Doc being a bit goofy and a bit all arms and legs and all, and all over the place. And I've said, like, I don't really like that unless there's a reason for it. And he did it in the first episode so well because he was coming around and he was like a brand new body. And he did it super well in this episode. And I loved it because he was, you could tell he was desperately trying to stay awake. Oh, it's so And he was, it, oh, it was brilliant. It was absolute slapstick, like arms and legs everywhere. But I loved it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. One other thing, if you want to talk about oh, it. Oh, let's hear it. Um, watching it the second time round to to do the podcast, it struck me as a bit odd, actually. The The Doctor's reaction to the fact that the TARDIS is dead is yes! nothing. Ooh. Yes! And do you know what? There is a precedent for that. Oh, really? In Rise of the Cybermen... And I listened to this episode. You commented on it at the time. Oh, did I? Yes. Which was that the doctor just goes, as tenant, Tardis is dead. Pretty much like this one as well. You know, this, this craft that he's been symbiotically linked with for the best part of nine centuries as tenant. And yeah, he's just like, ah, it's dead. I guess we're in a parallel universe, whatever. So. Yeah. I mean, there's no excuse for it, but there is a precedent for it. <laughs> Because I, I don't know what Classic Who says about the TARDIS, but we we tend to get more in New Who of it having its own personality and it even is personified literally at one point yeah, that's true. in the future. And his reaction at this point is just, nope, kaput, sorry. Um, yeah. We'll order another one in a few weeks. Yeah, probably, exactly. But, it's, almost like, it's, it's almost replaceable in a way. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't think it's that dismissive. I think it's like, he's at a loss, he doesn't know what to do. It's just like, he says, you're, you're in a dead TARDIS. He doesn't know how or why it's happening. He's a bit stumped and he's just... Would he not be scrambling to get some life out of it, though? Or do something rather than just throw his hands up? I mean, Yeah, show mm. some... Just be shocked. Because this know. is before the Dream Lords even appeared, I yeah. believe. So yeah. it, it's it's just... This is the Doctor. And it, it it's just very out of character, I think. Oh, oh but I don't know if... I didn't think about this. Yeah, it... I don't think it's before the hypnosis pollen has taken effect though oh, because true. Yeah. i think the tardis dying is all part of this like his oh it definitely is but he doesn't know so, about it and he doesn't no, know doesn't. how to react and and he's yeah. also not dis- as you say he's not sort of distracted by some other foe having entered the tardis at this point yeah 
So yeah, you should definitely be upset at the very least. Just, you know, shed a tear for this companion of yours. Mm. Shit, Matt Smith. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, where we are with Pertwee, it's sort of starting to have that role. Like, the TARDIS is... I I think one or two serials ago, it was divulged that the TARDIS may be telepathically linked to him in some way. Mm. So it's only now it's starting with the third Doctor. Mm. Drew, Mm. you look like a man with something on his mind. Ratings are on my mind. (laughs) Ooh. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Why don't you start us off then, Drew? Oh, Marie, you are cruel. <laughs> Marie, knows, Marie knows that I have written nothing and that I came tonight with absolutely no idea how I would rate this episode. So thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, well done. My dear chum. Hmm. <laughs> this, is, this is really difficult. There are lots of things I like about this episode. Toby Jones owns the show. Absolutely. The whole yeah. show he makes, and I wish they could bring him back f- for... Um, he could be behind this Christmas episode that's coming up where there's Capaldi and Hartnell and it's No Time's Land. He could completely be engineering that scenario with a few more Holonese space psychic crystals, whatever the fuck that is. And there are lots of good lines as well. Toby Jones, again, has a whole bunch of them. Can't find any of my notes right now. <laughs> <laughs> when I want to. Oh, but Karen Gillan, I, I don't think she does much better this week than last week mm. in a way. Rory, I think, is is getting there, but he's got a way to go. I do like the number of layers and how it, even if I don't like the situation, I can appreciate the intricacy of the entanglement that the series currently has us in. And I did enjoy it as I was watching it, obviously, because I always do. And Marie hasn't dumped on it, so I I think I'm going to go with a (gasps) 3.6. Nice. Interesting. Marie, how about you go next? <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Spoiler, I'm going to do my rating first. Snap! <laughs> oh, what? Absolutely! That's Am I <laughs> just trapped in your subconscious? <laughs> Maybe. Did you make me say that, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. I've, both times we watched it, and I remembered it as a good episode from way back the first time as well. Amy is, I think, much less annoying in this episode. She's definitely kind of a bit warmer with Rory and to see them as like a couple she's not quite happy being the just domestic pregnant housewife but she's you can see her like being more lenient because and making him happy and putting his feelings first which she would not have done last week and then yeah at the end of the episode there's the massive revelation and she sees him for the first time and realizes what it is to lose him and she is so selfless well, I don't know, because she does drag the dock along with her, but... She, and her baby. She, and her baby. <laughs> but she, is, she will happily sacrifice herself for the possibility of being with him again. And I think that's the foundation that you were talking about last week, Leon, about them representing this stability and this, like, kind of really core, true, like, love. Yeah. That's where that spark comes from, I think. He's, As in, this is the first time she shows him any love whatsoever. Yeah, but it's pretty fucking deep love to, like, what, sacrifice wait, 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 wait. She still hasn't told him that she loves him. She will when the dot goes swimming. <laughs> like, give it a moment on her own. <laughs> but yeah, again, the Dream Lord was incredible. The Both episodes, in the, both dreams, I would watch a whole episode of them. I thought they were kind of well thought through. It's not one of my favorite episodes there were problems with it the mental health thing definitely really struck a chord the um what was the thing that really bothered me 
Is it that they don't finish the limerick? Which limerick? Wait, what? what? The limerick that doesn't even really start. Yeah. Wait, which limerick? Toby Jones starts a limerick. There was a doctor from Gallifrey <laughs> who got some companions one day. And then but he doesn't like, even say the next line oh, in, no. in, in the, the rhyme that you say a limerick. He doesn't say the second line in that same rhyme. He, it, even though it does rhyme at the end. Like the, uh, <laughs> oh, anyway. No. <laughs> no, maybe we should knock bits off that now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I, the other thing that bothered me is that Amy's line about I never told him I loved him. I just think that's just... It, it's so jarring with how their relationship's been set up and it really doesn't work. Um, and I wish they hadn't made that such a big thing so yeah so it can't be too high so yeah i think a 3.6 3. is a pretty darn good rating i agree <laughs> should i go if you like yeah go for it i think mostly agreeing like in the, in the same sort of ballpark rating wise but i think i think i enjoyed it more though just ever so slightly i like the fact that we can discuss it in different ways and you can interpret it in different ways and i'd like that kind of open-ended thing. yeah and that kind of level of of depth you can get from something and i appreciate the writing that comes out in in the dialogue and in the the structure of the story and that kind of thing and it's it's not just relying on tropes of sci-fi things or like the 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 little dream states probably do a little bit but it doesn't matter because there's a level above it and then there's a level above that and that kind of thing and i think that's quite interesting and it's, it's entertaining to watch it all because of that wrapping around it and i think the amy rory thing it's if you can ignore everything that's come before and the the, the, the setup that we already have, then it's fine. It, like in the in the constraints of the episode, no, in, in in the constraints of the episode, you can kind of imagine they've only been dating for a few weeks, and it's 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 kind of like it is that threshold of of realization that, that that we love each other and we we want to spend the rest of our life together. And but then you have to put it in the context of everything else, and suddenly it falls flat, and that's that is a problem. But it's a question of whether they just forgot to update the episode when they restructured some stuff or whether, whether it was just badly, you know, structured. But because we had such a terrible episode last week, you kind of think maybe it's not really this episode's fault. It's just someone just made some really bad decisions from up high. So I'm kind of a little bit more lenient. I don't, because I enjoyed the rest of it. So I think, I think I'm going to go with like a 3.8 maybe. It's basically a 3.6 with bells on. <laughs> well, exactly. <yeah. laughs> so in my notes, I've written 3.8. Oh, thank <laughs> <Check> you. <laughs> Let the record show that I just showed my screen to everyone in the room. I pretty much just agree with everything that everyone has said so far with just extra emphasis maybe given to the fact that, yeah, yeah, like Amy and Rory, they act as though they've only been together for a little bit. This is sort of the start of their relationship. But, I mean, with the exception that she is so incredibly pregnant that if she opens her mouth, Rory will automatically assume that she is about to give birth. Like, that is how <laughs> pregnant she is. And by the way, I loved all of these deliberate false alarms. I thought they were a hilarious addition to this episode. The situation in Ledworth, their relationship, state not status, their relationship, their life in Ledworth was completely unrealistic to me. And it seemed as though from, like, from the get-go, this must be the dream. Mm. There was never any doubt in my mind. And I think the only thing that could possibly have improved this episode is if not only had there been less of a certainty of Ledworth being the dream, but more of an uncertainty that the TARDIS might be the reality. Like, 
there's uh, I saw this recently. Please don't watch this. There's a film called Before I Go to Sleep with Nicole Kidman and someone else, Clive Owen or whatever. Uh, actually, I wrote it. Up. Mark Strong, <laughs> the Clive Owen of Saturdays. In that, like the premise of the film, and I feel like this has been done so often. Like someone, the protagonist goes to sleep and wakes up in a different life, and then in that life goes to sleep and mm. wakes up in you know the other life and so on. And I feel like that could possibly have improved this episode a little bit. From the get-go, they had already decided what was the reality and what was not. And even though they turned out to be wrong, I want them to have to struggle longer to make that decision. But yeah, Toby Jones, bloody genius. Please come back. (laughs) Also very bothered by the whole, I've never told him I love you, which makes no sense. And that presumably is the reality of it. And and that just makes me kind of sad. So yeah, anyway, 3.8. Room for improvement, but a bloody good episode. Also, sofas can read. Yeah. Also, sofas can read. I have that written down as well. I love that. (laughs) I love that line. That's so good. Sofas can read? Yes. It's a big universe. Sofas can read. (laughs) Ice can burn. Sofas can read. (laughs) I want that to be an episode. Also, I like Rory's doctor talk about you may experience some bruising. (laughs) 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 Did you notice that there's a xylophone built into the TARDIS console, by the way? (laughs) Really? Yeah. I did not spot that. Mm. Mm. I'm noticing more and more things about the TARDIS console that I disapprove of. I don't like mm. there to be weird shit built into the... I want the console to be a piece of technology, not just this bric-a-brac that some, somehow has taken shape. Well, the Doctor himself is conflicted about it. How do you mean? Well, I mean, if he had any more Gujo tat, he could open a Gujo tat shop or whatever he says. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so change it then. <laughs> yeah. No. So, did you like or not like the fact that he goes, red lights are f- flashing? I bet that means something. <laughs> Wait, I don't remember that, but that sounds great. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> red, flashing, red flashing lights, that must mean something. But I, li- I like the idea that he doesn't understand Matardis. And it's just, it's there are things all over the place that are just could do something, but I'm not going to press it. I like that as well. But I like that in the sense of, like, the TARDIS is so big on the inside that he hasn't necessarily explored all of it yet, and maybe there are functions that he isn't aware of, but I don't necessarily... I don't like it to look like a toy, you know? Mm. It should okay. be, like... This a, is definitely a, a new Who yeah. thing as well. Yeah. Like, in Classic Who, this was a machine. Yeah. And even though that machine had a certain personality, it was still a machine. Mm. Like, everything had a function. Listener minis? Let's! Listener minis... Our first listener mini is from... Tracy from America. Tracy says, Hey guys, it's Tracy. Hello, Tracy. (laughs) Hi, Tracy. This episode was pretty good. Production values continue to be excellent, interesting camera work throughout, and decent plot. Mm. Now, I want to talk about Amy and Rory. Last week saw Amy casually dragging Rory on an adventure he wasn't ready for, while dealing with emotions she wasn't ready to address. This week, she can't avoid it. The shared dream state means it's unclear who adds which elements to their fantasy. The Ledworth dream is interesting because Rory seems to like it, but when speaking of rest and quiet, he almost sounds like he's trying to convince himself. Amy acts bored, but, faking a contraction, takes ownership of the dream. She's choosing Rory in this moment. She will choose him again at the episode's climax when she decides life isn't worth living without him. It's pretty clear her fears were not about Rory at all, but about the type of life marriage would be. Amy doesn't fear being stuck with Rory. She fears being stuck in general. Hmm, I could buy that. Hmm. And OMG! 
Tracy continues, it's incredibly revealing that Doc calls the Ledworth dream a nightmare. He's so afraid to lose his companions, even to a life of bliss, that he prefers risking their lives just so he can have the company. And this time, the interplay between Doc and Rory feels real. They're both so close to Amy and want to see her safe, but aren't close to each other yet. By the end, my boys finally fits. Rating, depth, darkness, love it! That's about a 3.8, I believe. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome! Thank you very much, Tracy, uh, ladies and gents of Podcast Land. You can follow Tracy on uh, the old tweets. She is at Yekart Nyat Noof. That's Fatten Tracy backwards. Bing bong, future punk in here with a bit of a future sore throat. And uh, joining me in the Who Back When studio in the future is future Drew Back When. Hello, from the future. <laughs> Hello, future Drew Back When. This is the first time our future selves have met. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yes, future and Drew you, Drew sir, oh. likewise. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. From your advanced age. <laughs> which is to say nothing of your advanced age. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're diving in from the future because we received two more listener minis right after we stopped recording. So, um, here they are. Who's the first one from Future Drew Gwen? The first one is from Michael Ridgway. Hello, Michael Ridgway. That guy I know. Michael starts Country File Goes Evil. Ooh. And then he splits his review into two parts. Ponkin, do you want to take Michael's good stuff or do you want to take Michael's beefs? Uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> don't make me choose. <laughs> I mean, aren't they one and the same thing? <laughs> they are, aren't they? There's certainly, I mean, in the Venn diagram of beef and good stuff. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right, I'll start with the good stuff. Uh, good stuff, says Michael. Number one, children being mercilessly zapped. Highest number in an episode of who? The beast below indicates children being eaten by the space whale, and at least one brat was devoured by bat people in school reunion. But around two dozen were disintegrated here. Yeah. No narrative workarounds, just flat-out dead children. Turn them to flower. No longer exists. Shazam. Whole classroom <laughs> destroyed. Farewell, kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, number two, Michael goes on. Toby Jones. Whoop, whoop. Yep, enough said. Number three, genuine feasibility that evil country file could be the reality. Number four, Rory's ponytail. Oof. Wow, when that's the good stuff. All right. <laughs> uh, number five... Last but not least, genuine sense of threat. Dot, dot, dot. Michael True. continues with his beast. Dot, dot, dot. Until the halfway point. When it turns out the aliens are mega dumb, slow, and easily dispatched, and there was zero threat after all. True. Yeah, fair point. Michael yet continues the big reveal about the Dream Lord <laughs> sucked. The Doctor's dark side has rocked up previously. The Vanguard in classic sixth Doctor adventure, Trial of a Time Lord. Watch it. It's with Colin Baker. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I was disappointed he didn't turn out to be a new villain. Evil country file aliens. What exactly is their plan for world domination? Walk around very slowly and turn everyone into sand? That's going to take ages. What happens when they get to India or China? And why start with a dozen school children? What's that going to achieve? They don't appear to be reproducing and someone is bound to notice. Then Michael raises an Excellent. Further point, more aliens doing the mouth thing. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. And I'd like to point out that we recorded Sorry. the bulk of our podcast about a week ago, so we haven't just cribbed all our best ideas from oh, no, you, no. Podcast Land. This is just us agreeing. Temporarily, we are in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. 
What happens to the people in the van? Michael said. Did the doctor just dump them somewhere? Well, yes, Michael. Actually, he dumped them in the church. In the church, yeah. That was in my notes as well. Uh, just like in... What I've written in my notes, as I recall, was uh, just like Father's Day, everyone takes refuge in a church. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, a sop to the religiously minded. Thank you, <laughs> Simon Nye. <laughs> Michael's final question is, there are no duvets in the TARDIS? Super good points. Super good <laughs> points. Holy there's a there's a whole wardrobe. Yeah. Get get a get a parka. Anything. Hot yeah. water bottle. He's always visiting the planet of the Ood, which is basically icebound. Exactly. I mean come on. Oh. oh never mind. Air Michael's rating is for two point four out of five disintegrated school children. <laughs> and if you think he didn't mention the seventh doctor <laughs> then you are sorely mistaken. Yes, because <laughs> Michael concludes with a rather host baity final paragraph which my modesty won't allow me to read out. Um, I'll read it. He I'll says, on, uh, finally, 2017 marks 30 years since the momentous seventh Doctor dawned oh. our screens. <laughs> Will the Who Back When gang celebrate by leading a rendition of Happy Birthday to the seventh, seventh Doctor? doctor. <laughs> also, is Churchill available to sing along? Almost certainly <laughs> not. Uh, I'm going to use my, uh, my voice as an excuse for this oh, one. Yes. This isn't me. This is the... Cough pumpkin. <laughs> cough, pu- cough pumpkin. Yes, or the or the virus pumpkin. This is cough your version pumpkin. of venom. Oh, oh, hello. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Cool. Oh, bing bang bong. Michael, thank you so much for sending in that mini awesome stuff. We have one more. Yes, we do have one more. This one is from Kyle Rath. Hello, the Kyle. Sinister super spy. <laughs> hello, hello. Kyle begins, Welcome to Upper Ledworth, picturesque cottages, an apparently thriving local drama scene, and a plethora of blue hairs with overactive gut flora. It's just the right kind of place for mom-to-be Amy and Dr. Rory to set down roots. At the same time, with the TARDIS effectively dead and hurtling towards a cold star, we are introduced to the Dream Lord, Mm. beautifully portrayed in true trickster style by Toby Jones, who appears seemingly out of nowhere to pose a question. What is most important? The question, Kyle goes on, according to the title, is directed at Amy. Will she choose Rory with his weak ponytail game and his pastel-shaded life in a simple village? Or will she elect Daring Do in the farthest reaches of time and space with the Doctor? Or is it all just a dream within a dream, perpetrated by the dark side of a centuries-old alien with an allergy to space wheat? Amy's choice is perhaps one of New Who's most satisfying stories. It provides tremendous character development for all three main characters. I'd go along with that to a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rory simply shines, and Smith, as always, is clever and multi-layered, and I'm left with the following observation, Ponkin. Rory's choice was a simple life in Upper Ledworth. Amy wasn't thrilled, but would live with it, so long as the Doctor wasn't around to remind her how boring it was. Oh, wow. Mm. That's really sad. <laughs> oh, God. It's like a dose of reality. Oh, Ugh. but it's a, it's about... Accurate? <laughs> yes, it's it's about what actually happened, but it's so that ultimately Amy will be able to be weaned off the Doctor in due time, isn't it? Yeah, and, exactly. And stop holding him so far above what she will eventually have to live out the rest of her life as. Yeah, that weak, shitty ponytail is the methadone that, that she needs to get off the, <laughs> the Doctor smack. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's choice was ultimately that no life without Rory was worth living. So, back to the frozen TARDIS they went, so she could be with Rory, even in death. (laughs) 
The doctor's choice was to agree with Amy, even if it meant blowing up the TARDIS. He didn't even hesitate. If only we all had a friend like that. And he gives it 4.3 out of 5. Points off for not enough sinister Toby Jones, too much sexy Toby Jones, and time wasted on ferrying around nameless extras. Yeah, and finding a bike for one of them to ride into <laughs> shot so he could be disintegrated immediately. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle, awesome stuff. Uh, ladies and gents who aren't Kyle, are you following Kyle? No? Why not? You should. He is at Sinister Super Spy. That's super without any vowels. Right. And yeah. that's it for that, us. That is it. Let, let's bing bong back to the show. Bing bong. Bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Next up. What have we got? The Hungry Earth. With Silurians and everything. Mm. That's pretty cool. The next in terms of classic is going to be Frontier in Space. (laughs) 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 Until then, uh, people can follow you on Twitter, I believe, Drew. Yes, you can read all my Tweety books at (laughs) DrewBackWhen. Not (laughs) at WhoBackWhen, but you can also follow that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the double plug. (laughs) Jim, are you on on Twitter? No, I'm incredibly antisocial. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good pair. <laughs> Just awesome. like Amy and Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Way better than Amy But we've Rory. said Why? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Marie, you are not on Twitter, correct? Correct. Correct, Amundo. Uh, but Podcast Land, uh, please feel free to send your uh, missives to whobackwhen at gmail.com uh, and we will pass them along. You can follow me on Twitter, though. I am at Ponkin. You know how to spell that? High-five me. I will high-five you right back. Until the next time, thank you so much for listening. Be right next to each other. Rock on. And ciao-ciao. Bye-bye. Toodles. Bye. (laughs) Smooth gym. Yeah, that was really smooth. That was silky. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? The finals on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. Who Back When just got its very own Twitter account, no lie, so give us a follow. You guessed it, that's at Who Back When, all in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Who Back When. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or still funny, audio Who review. Cha-chow. Who Back When.